0: hey there it's Gary parish welcome back to the cbs sports eye on college basketball podcast where we sometimes discuss camel fighting dodo birds and leaky black the island college basketball podcast is presented by jersey mike subs jersey mike's a sub above matt norlanda is here with me he's at home in connecticut i'm in a hotel room in new york city if you're watching on youtube smash the like button like you're Brandon Davies, you have consent, and if you haven't yet subscribed to the CBS Sports College Basketball YouTube channel, please knock that out while you're here. All right, let's get into it. Every once in a while, we get a story that that transcends sports and becomes a bigger story, Um, you know, the kind of story that even people who do not follow college sports or even sports at all become interested in, and we now have that story in college basketball it, of course, is the Brandon Miller story. Just one day after police detail the role that Brandon Miller played in actions leading up to last month's shooting death of Jamia Harris, a 23 year old mother, Brandon Miller was allowed to play for Alabama at South Carolina. On Wednesday night it created a a weird awkward scene Miller was booed he was met with chants of lock him up he was taunted he took 25 shots made 14 of them finished with a career high 41 points and a 78 76 overtime victory at South Carolina he made the shot that forced overtime he made the shot that that won the game he is currently arguably The most talked about athlete in this country with the debate still raging on about whether uh, this young man uh, should be representing a prominent university, given that he quite literally brought a gun to a place where it was very quickly used after he arrived to shoot um, 23 year old mother in the face and kill her. Now, a five year old little boy no longer has his mother. Jamia Harris's family expressed disappointment on thursday that brandon miller was allowed to play on wednesday night they said nato's comments earlier in the week were quote disrespectful and proof that this story is is now bigger than college basketball and really bigger than sports is that you know over the past couple of days i've made appearances on inside edition you know, I talked with Harvey Levin on TMZ Live, and even Harvey, as he was introducing the piece, said this is not the type of thing we would normally talk about, but we're talking about it now. Norlander, um, it appears that that Alabama has gone from one of the best stories in college basketball to the clear-cut, most controversial one. Uh, what do you make of where we're at with that situation right now? Oh,
1: well, as we record here <clears throat> Friday morning, Uh, Nate will speak again to the media about 90 minutes from now. Our podcast will be done by then. So I just want to lay it out up top here for anyone getting to this pod at any point on Friday afternoon, evening, or even over the weekend. Um, there's the possibility Oates could actually say something to advance the story. We don't know what that is. And you could be listened to the overwhelming majority of our listeners who get this via traditional means over the phone. Uh, at least want to address that part. I don't know if he will or he won't, but there is a chance he could say something in that press conference that advances the story, but, uh, but potentially not. Um, I talked to, yes, uh, Wednesday was it was surreal. It was awkward. I talked to an NBA scout that was in the building also said like the energy in the building was also bizarre. Cause like there were a couple of fights that apparently broke out and skirmishes between like Alabama fans that were there. And then the South Carolina fans that were chanting guilty at him and, and heckling Brandon Miller. Um, it was described to me as at points an uncomfortable scene overall. Uh, but Alabama did bring it upon itself uh, with all of this. And You know, it's it seems determined to uh to continue to play Miller and Bradley. I still would just I would just like a little bit more of an explanation. Um, Some people have kind of pushed back on that and saying like, what other explanation does Alabama need to give? You know, why does it need to appease anyone else? It's it's done its diligence. I actually has it because the one thing that did stick out to me, Greg Byrne went on the College Game Day podcast and, and seemed to indicate that there were actually details that came out in the, um, the pretrial testimony from the law enforcement officer about the text message being sent and just the nature of, of Brandon Miller and what he did that if you, if you take Burns word at it was not, they were not aware of that. And what does that signal to me? It actually signals to me that the school didn't, and it never announced it. So we are left to uh, we are left of the understanding that the school actually never conducted a, an actual investigation of the matter which seems extremely negligent. I have no doubt that NATO and and Burn. I, I have no doubt that there were people that, you know, Brandon Miller and Jaden Bradley were were sat down and talked to and potentially informally questioned. But there was, it, it does not appear as though there was an actual formal investigation of this thing. So that only piles on to the problematic nature of all of this. And the story that you referenced from AL.com, obviously, you know, extremely, um a powerful story that that detail you know it's it's Jimmy Harris a stepfather who is now in, in you know along with uh, the rest of her family going to raise their 5-year-old son Kane or their fi- or their grandson in effect um but in talking about this um elsewhere it it seems like this story is destined to just be there continuously. We're not going to get to March 4th. And just because we're gearing up for conference tournaments and there's bubble teams to talk about, and we'll talk about all that stuff. Alabama is only going to draw more attention the further it goes. It is one of the best teams in the country. Brandon Miller is one of the best players in the country. He's a first team All American. He dropped 41. And, you know, the timing of it was. <laughs> I just can't remember ever seeing something like that in college sports. Um, You know, he's in the midst of a maelstrom and goes out and is almost single handedly responsible for not uh, for ensuring that Alabama doesn't take on by far its worst loss of the season. And it comes amid the backdrop of like actual human tragedy. So it's been, it's been a tough, tough season for college basketball headline wise. I mentioned this on the previous podcast, but I do just want to reiterate like, you know we talk about these things because we need to talk about them, but you know it's not it's not fun to talk about this. You had the Chris Beard stuff, New Mexico State stuff, now you have the Alabama stuff, even the Michigan State story, which was not the same, it was a program and a campus community affected by needless gun violence. So Alabama will continue to uh, be at the front of mind and be talked about on broadcasts in podcasts in columns, on radio shows, on TV shows think it's led PTI two consecutive days in a row uh, The like the, the first topic, top of the A segment there. And as it as it should. So we go three weeks down the road and nothing has happened. And it's kind of been, you know, business as usual with the program. Then, yeah, when we talk about Alabama being the number one seed and, you know, the Midwest or wherever it's going to be, you know, uh, it's the Brendan Miller story will be right alongside it the whole time. Press conferences, every NCAA tournament. You know, Nate Oates can eventually hit a point where he doesn't want to talk about it. They can hide Brandon Miller all they want, and they probably will. That will certainly be interesting to see when Brandon Miller actually speaks to the media again. But this is not, this is a story that is not simply going to dissipate because we have a news cycle that will renew and refresh and refresh and refresh. It will not be as prominent probably over the next five to 10 days, but it will still, it will linger. It will be there throughout the remainder of the season. And so long as, Brandon Miller is enrolled in that university.
0: Yeah, it's not going away. Um, the further Alabama goes into the season, the bigger the story will get. Uh, it'll be a big story in the round of 64, a bigger story in the round of 32, a bigger story in the Sweet 16, bigger story in the lead Eight. And if they get to the Final Four, it will be a massive story. It will be the biggest story at the Final Four. And I don't even care who else is at the Final Four. It's uh, interesting because there was a time maybe uh, – literally just a week ago, where you could reasonably say, man, wouldn't it be great if you're an Alabama fan if we go to the Final Four for the first time in school history? And on a very basic level, of course, that would be great even still. But now going to the Final Four is going to put you on a stage where people aren't talking about how awesome your basketball team is. That's not going to be – um, when, when you know, why CNN or uh, any other, you know, Fox News sends reporters to the Final Four. It ain't going to be to do stories about how awesome your, uh, your, your basketball team is, how wild it is that this uh, so-called football school now has a, a basketball team just two wins away from a national championship. The story is going to be about this school allowing Brandon Miller to continue to play under these circumstances. And so this is not going to be comfortable for Nate Oates or anybody else the rest of the season. The decisions they have made and how they've handled this situation have made it where it's going to be awkward for them until they play their last game. Um, The point you make about Greg, Greg Byrne and what he said this week is important because he did detail that he and Nate Oates and the school in general did learn new things Tuesday in court about this situation specifically. They learned for the first time that Brandon Miller is the one that drove the gun uh, to the scene of the incident after receiving a text message from his now former teammate, Darius miles. And what that means is that Alabama was allowing Brandon Miller to continue playing without having a full understanding of, of exactly the role Brandon Miller played in this tragedy. Most times when a school is having to deal with possible legal issues with a student athlete, they will say something along the lines of, um, we are withholding this player from competition while we are in a fact-gathering phase, until we gather all the facts. This happens when uh, often a player – Uh, is accused of, say, sexual assault. They'll withhold the player from competition while they're in the fact-gathering phase. Well, for Alabama, there really doesn't appear that there was a fact-gathering phase at all because they, by their own admission, by the admission of Greg Byrne, they were playing um, Brandon Miller without even understanding or realizing that his teammate texted him and said, bring me the gun, And then Brandon Miller showed up with the gun that very quickly was used to kill Jamia Harris. Here's a statement Greg Byrne released on Wednesday. He said, our role in a criminal investigation is to support law enforcement, not to conduct our own investigation and not to interfere with their efforts. Although we're not investigators, we do have a duty to evaluate whether anyone involved in our program has violated the rules, policies or standards of the university. We have that evaluation based on facts end quote here's a quick question for you norlander so is riding around tuscaloosa well after midnight with a loaded gun that doesn't belong to you is that not a violation of rules policies or standards of the alabama basketball program or the university of alabama in general like what if Nate Oates had gathered his whole team yesterday and said hey guys uh Nice win at South Carolina. What do you guys got going on tonight? And what if every single player said, coach, I'm going to get a loaded gun and I'm going to drive around with it in my car all night long tonight, well after midnight, probably be out till around two or so. Would that just be okay? Because according to what Greg Byrne said, Brandon Miller has not violated rules, policies or standards. But what Brandon Miller did is drive around well after midnight with a loaded gun that doesn't belong to him in his car. I don't understand how that couldn't violate some policy, some rule, or some standard. As I've said multiple times in multiple places this week, if you don't have a rule connected to your program that was violated by what Brandon Miller did on that late Saturday, early Sunday, then I don't know what type of program you're actually running. Um, The other thing, real quick, that I want to clarify is something about Brandon Miller's supposed knowledge of the gun being in his car. Because I've had a lot of people. I mean, in the 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 like my mentions are just nonstop, nonstop. People arguing back and forth. And I've had a lot of people make the statement that Well, do you realize, GP or anybody else who thinks Brandon Miller should be suspended, that Brandon Miller's attorney said that Brandon Miller didn't even know the gun was in the car? Brandon Miller didn't know the gun was in the car. Brandon Miller's attorney attorney said he didn't know the gun was in the car. That is not what Brandon Miller's attorney said. And And I can't. if Brandon Miller's attorney
1: could say it, he would say it. Let's be clear about that. It'd be the first thing you'd say. It would be the first thing he would say. And he
0: has not said that. He said a lot of things that has tricked some people into thinking that's what he said. But he did not actually say that. Here's what he said. He said Brandon Miller didn't handle the gun. He said Brandon Miller didn't touch the gun. He said Brandon Miller didn't even see the gun. But he did not say Brandon Miller didn't know the gun was in the car. Go read the statement again. And this is not a point I've heard anybody else make. The attorney did not say Brandon Miller did not know the gun was in the car. He said he didn't touch it, didn't handle it, didn't see it. But he didn't—he stopped well short of saying he didn't even know the gun was in the car. Because if you can actually say, listen, guys, you could twist this and whatever you want to. Let me tell you what happened. Brandon Miller uh, took a teammate and a teammate's friend to a club, and then he left them there. And then he came back to pick them up later. And, yeah, it turns out there was a gun in the car, but he had no idea there was he had no idea he let he, he was driving around with a gun in a car. He had no idea he was bringing a gun to this scene. This is just a gun. Literally, somebody left in the back seat, covered up, and he had no idea. What did he do wrong? What if somebody you were riding around with left something in your car? Is that like your fault? Does that mean you're. Um, you should be punished in any sort of meaningful way if you genuinely did not know it's a great story to tell if that's actually the case that's not what happened here and that's why the attorney is not saying brandon miller didn't know the gun was in the car he's saying he didn't touch it didn't handle it didn't see it okay fine but he doesn't say it wasn't in the he didn't know it was in the car and the reason is because it is at this point very difficult to to believe that brandon miller didn't know that the gun was in the car A because the lawyer won't say that hasn't said that to date and B because I can't stress this enough go back to the text message Darius Miles sent to Brandon Miller you know what that text message says I need my joint bring me my gun that's what the text message meant now think about this the text is only that simple I need my joint if the person you're texting knows exactly where your joint is like Norlander, if if I leave my glasses somewhere and I need you to grab them for me and you don't know where they are, the text message will be, hey, uh, dead leg, can you bring me my glasses? I left them at your desk. Hey, can you bring me my phone? I left them. I left it on your table. Darius Miles didn't have to tell Brandon Miller where the gun was, presumably because he knew Brandon Miller knew where the gun was. And that's an important distinction to make because most people have totally missed that. Both dumb fans and and even some media members who I've heard parrot that comment. Well, the lawyer said he didn't know the gun was in the car. No, no, no. That's not what the lawyer said. He never said that again. If Darius Miles didn't know, Brandon Miller knew exactly where that gun was. The the text message has to be, hey, I need my gun. I left it in your car. It's in your back seat. Can you bring it here for me? He didn't say any of that. It was just, hey, I need my gun. He didn't feel like he had to say anything else because he didn't feel like he had to tell Brandon Miller where the gun is. Why? Because he, again, presumably knew that Brandon Miller knew where that gun was. And again, if Brandon Miller genuinely didn't know the gun was in the car, that he was driving to this scene with a gun in his car, that is the first thing his criminal attorney would have said and he hasn't said it yet
1: okay there's one other part to this Uh, i'm going to read a part of the statement from the attorney which came out after our previous podcast which is why we're also addressing this and we will get to the weekend and we got stuff to talk about but one more thing on this so the statement from the attorney reads before brandon arrived to pick up mr miles mr miles and the individual with miss harris apparently exchanged words Without Brandon knowing any of this context, and as Brandon was already on the way to pick up Mr. Miles, Mr. Miles texted Brandon and asked him to bring him his firearm. Brandon subsequently arrived at the scene to pick up Mr. Miles. Okay. Go back, hit the fa- hit the rewind button 15 seconds and listen to me read that again. Brandon never got out of his vehicle or interacted with anyone in Miss H- Harris's party. He was never involved in a verbal altercation Cedric Johnson or Mr. Davis? Okay, so just two things from this here. Because again, this is Jim Standridge. I'm sure, he's a well-accomplished and extremely competent attorney. This whole statement, frankly, looks like he's doing a great job of being a defense attorney. What he's paid to do to paint this situation in the best possible light, ideally, factually, accurately for his, for his client there is no indication that Brandon Miller was not aware of the contents of that text message that was sent. That would also be in the statement. If, if Brandon Miller never read the text message prior to arriving, the defense attorney would put that in the statement. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. If,
0: what they, what they would, if there, because Brandon Miller has reportedly turned over his phone to police, correct? They can tell when you looked at that text message,
1: There's metadata that would reveal this. Correct. And
0: absolutely. If, 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 if the lawyer knew that when the law enforcement officials investigators looked at that phone and it was going to show Brandon Miller never even opened never even saw the text message until well after he until after he arrived at the scene that would have been in in the statement that's not in the statement they again it's a trick they try to say he was already on his way and then Darius Miles text message and then Brandon to make you think oh well Brandon Miller wasn't going there to deliver the gun as much as he was just going there to pick up his fu- uh, fu- uh, pick up his friend and then all this stuff was sort of happening he had no idea if that were the case they would have said it they haven't said that it's a trick it's what lawyers do they, they 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 frame things in ways that are technically accurate but sometimes misleading now if you just read it carefully you shouldn't be misled but i couldn't help but notice there are if not hundreds, maybe thousands. I don't know what the number is, but a lot of people who have totally misinterpreted that lawyer's statement, they think he said something he did not say. And it is 100% true. As of this moment, the lawyer has never said Brandon Miller didn't know uh, that the gun was in the car. And the lawyer has never said that Brandon Miller had no idea his friend had
1: requested that gun. To recap, with everything that we've talked about here in the first 20 minutes of the show, it. It looks just so terrible for Alabama. There's been no indication that they actually conducted an internal investigation at the university level, which would seem to be
0: the bare minimum to do this. And Or or, 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 or let me say, because Greg Byrne did say we, we are not doing it's not our job to do an investigation. It's our job to to not get uh, in the way of law enforcement's investigation. Fine. Okay, Come on. Uh, here's what I would say. Fine. But you know what you do while law enforcement is still investigating? You withhold the player from competition.
1: Correct. All right one action or the other here and neither uh, appears to have happened at the center of all this is that it could have been so much worse. There were uh, 11 shots fired. The, this lawyer statement says, and I, I didn't pick up on this when it broke Tuesday until the lawyer statement, Brandon never got out of his vehicle or interacted with anyone in miss Harris's party. Are you telling me right now that Brandon Miller stayed in his car, two gunshots into his windshield? He almost could have been killed. He, did he narrowly avoid dying to, as well? We are. This situation could have been for as tragic as it already is. And as an, again, I'm going to use the word again, infuriating. If you read through what happened, oh, it just pisses me off. And it could have been so much worse. It, it, Brandon Miller is lucky. If that if the way that this lawyer statement is reflective of what happened, that Brandon Miller stayed in his car, because this is a very also it's a quick. Period of time between the text message getting sent and Jamia Harris being killed—it's not a lot. It's 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 a matter of minutes. So if if what happened there is Miller and Bradley, who also had his car there, they pull up, and within minutes of that happening, Miller is just in his car, and then he, his his vehicle is taken on gunfire, and he's sitting in the driver's seat. Mm. And this is scary. It's scary as hell, dude. Like it, the whole thing is scary, but. It, I haven't seen too many people pick up on that because I, I guess there's the chance that he did leave the vehicle, but the lawyer statement says he never got out of his vehicle and there he took on two bullets in the, in the windshield. So, um, yeah, there's, there, you know, it's, we'll see what Oates says here in about an hour when he talks, but, uh, but there, there's one more, there's one more sentence in the statement. As soon as he was notified that someone had been injured and the police wished to speak with him, He has fully cooperated with law enforcement's investigation. I'm not going to push back that he has fully cooperated. um, But there are just, again, lawyers speak. There's just, Brandon quickly left the area when gunfire erupted. So he was in his car, gunfire erupted. Was he trying to get out of his car when the shots happened? I I don't know. It it seemed like this was something that was understandably a panic situation by other witnesses involved. And then he he cooperated fully. Jaden Bradley have cooperated fully again my central point just goes back to how the university handled this and the fact that this was never previously disclosed and now now this is what is dealing with here and unless something changes today or in the next you know 24 48 hours it's just going to it's going to accept this and in doing so every time it, it just until there are, there is much more that is explained it's just going to have to uh to deal with you know being the uh really you know the villain in the, in this, in this greater narrative arc of the season, like uh, Alabama outside of Crimson Tide fans, there's not going to be a lot of people that are like r- rooting to watch Alabama play to win period. Um, they're actually doing a lot of, a lot of serious uh, damage to their overall university image by continuing to handle things as they've handled it. One last time for me, if we get something else from NATO, it's in an hour, we will. And perhaps the story will move in a different direction, but we don't have that right now.
0: And the other thing you find out in times like these in, our profession is like who's equipped to talk about this honestly and who's just ill-equipped to talk about this honestly. It is um, interesting to watch people have real strong opinions about, you know, who should be the national coach of the year and who should be the big 10 coach of the year or the big 10 player of the year. But when it comes to something serious, they can't quite bring themselves to talk about it intelligently or with any sort of, of, of intelligence or passion. I've seen so many people who talk about this sport every day just completely shut up. Won't say a word about it. Don't know how to talk about it. So, like, why am I getting asked to go on TMZ Live and inside of this? Because ta- I'm comfortable talking about this stuff. I, like, listen, we all like Nate Oates and respect him as a basketball coach, but there comes a time where if it's your job to talk and write about this stuff that you've got to be able to put that aside and say yo i like nate oats i think he's an unbelievable basketball coach but they are not handling this the right way they have messed this up they are playing somebody they should not be playing and if he were a walk-on he would not be playing if he were a walk-on i don't even think he'd be a part of this team anymore that's the truth with brandon miller and um yeah these are the moments where you separate the people who can talk about this stuff from the people who would rather just uh avoid it completely UCLA picked up two quarter one wins on Thursday night. How the Bruins do it? I'll tell you in a few seconds. First, a word from our partners.
2: So nobody had a better Thursday night than
0: UCLA, UCLA, fight, fight, fight. They picked up two quad one wins on one night. That sounds
1: like a conspiracy to me. Did you just say two quad one wins on one night? Mick Cronin. All
0: it took was one Saturday conspiracy theory floated by Mick Cronin. And now the net has given him two quad one wins on the same night. It's like working the refs, you know?
1: Extremely well done. What's the second quad one win out of curiosity?
0: Okay, so the first one is they beat Utah. Uh, First off, UCLA entered yesterday, Thursday, with a four and four record in quadrant one, 500 in quadrant one. Every other, um, every projected number one seed, so Houston, Kansas, Purdue, and Alabama, they're all at least two games above 500 in quadrant one. UCLA entered yesterday, 500 in quadrant one. So they go to Utah. They win that game. Utah is in the 50s in the net. And because a road win over a top 75 net team qualifies as quadrant one, that's one quadrant one win. UCLA was guaranteed after winning that game to move to five and four in the first quarter. Meantime, Washington State went to Stanford and beat the Cardinal on the road. And then Washington, Washington State, big development, Big development at Stanford Thursday night because Washington State went and won at Stanford by four points. And why, that allowed Washington State to move from 79th in the net on Thursday to 73rd in the net on Friday morning. So they went from outside the top 75 to inside the top 75. As you remember, in late December, UCLA won at washington state so that means that game flipped overnight from a quadrant two win to a quadrant one win ucla is now six and four in quadrant one with zero additional losses Eh, they're getting in the one they're not getting in they've been in but they are in the one seed conversation no no denying that
1: i don't know if you know this but if you go to barktorvik.com you can sort the data you can sort it by wins above bubble. And what that is, is how you have performed against your schedule versus what the average bubble team per Torvix data would do. And right now, as of this morning, Friday, UCLA is fifth in the country in wins above bubble trivia time. Who do you <laughs> think is first? Who is first in wins above bubble who has performed the best against their schedule versus how the, yeah, how an average bubble team would be expected to play against it. In the entire country it's a it's a very very good team this is not a hard this is not a hard one Kansas correct Kansas is first, Alabama is second Houston is third, Purdue is fourth UCLA is fifth and because of how it played on Thursday night UCLA jumped Arizona which is sixth. Um, so the data is also showing that UCLA which you know we know that UCLA is performing as a top five level kind of team it's just here's you know, the arbitrary cutoffs of the of the quadrants can can help you or hurt you and yes the fact that there's you know it's 75 versus 76 in terms of a road game that's just how this breaks fortunately i want to imp- impress upon our audience you know the quadrants do mean a ton i'm not going to downplay them but In speaking with committee members over the years, it's not like your quad record absolutely is the thing that's winning out. They are looking at how you have performed against the schedule. They're looking at your strength of record. They're looking at Ken Palm. They're looking at BPI. They're taking every committee member is assessing their own. Yes, their own preferences and biases. They are. But it is one vote of what is now 12 people. In that, It does help. It helps UCLA in this standpoint. Every time UCLA plays on television and they come out of a commercial break once or twice a game, the tournament resume is going to be on the screen and whatever bracket projection there. If it's, if it's CBS, obviously it's going to say projected in Jerry Palms bracket and it's a two seed. Here's the quad record. Quad one, quad two. Good wins, bad losses. Right now, UCLA helped itself because of its wins and Kyrie Cronin got it done. I give him credit, man. He was able to make this happen and getting the win on the road at Utah. I actually thought that might have been a little bit of a tricky spot, but it wasn't. I watched a decent portion of that game and... and UCLA was just comfortably ahead for basically 40 minutes, and uh, and it picks up it picks up a second quad. <laughs> that's that's the thing. Like, did people want to like criticize the whole net process and quad. I completely get it. Do you when realize you are- like nor- normal people do not understand this? At they all. don't know what the hell we're I, talking. about.
0: Yeah, no, yes. I'm a little um, like I I don't know how in to talk about it on television because I, people don't know what we're talking. Like, you say quad one and the net and moved inside. And the people go, what? Like I, I, I have, there are sports talk hosts in this country who have had me on as guests and they have no idea. They don't, they genuinely just don't even understand how this system works.
1: I, I agree. Uh, but our listeners who come here, you understand it. And uh, we'd like to add a little bit more context. Good on UCLA, which is, you know, I, I still, yeah, uh, winning aside, last night GP. Real quick on this, because I I do believe this top four candidate right now for national champion. I would I would have him there. I have that much belief in the team because of the veteran, uh, the veteran presence on this group. Man, like uh, yes, they've got some good young talent, but between Campbell, Hawkes, Jalen Clark is a beast on the defensive end. Singleton is super reliable. They've just got enough there and like veteran point guard play that right now, I'd go. Uh, I don't know. Um, he, in no order: Houston, Purdue, UCLA. Uh, I, you have to put, frankly, like you know, we're just talking basketball. And they're gonna have the guys like Bama has to be in that conversation. Um, did I mention Kansas? That that if I mentioned five there, that's probably the five. UCLA I have in that group. I just find them to be super steady and super reliable. Are are you uh? Are you generally speaking? Are you in? on UCLA as among the three, four, five at most, most likely national title contenders?
0: Yes. I have them fifth in the top 25 and one right now. Um, like, they check every box. They've got the greatest coach in UCLA history. They have nice. NBA talent. They have experience. Hami Hakez is obviously both of those things. He's a future NBA player who is also super experienced. They're experienced at point guard. Yeah, they have everything you have to have to, to win a national championship. I don't know that they will, but they can. They they have the stuff you need.
1: Okay. Can I ask you one more question? You can ask me however many questions you want. All right. you see, that's all fine and good, but I'm just a little surprised here. That's all. Like, yeah, okay, they pick up two quad, quad one wins, and one night. I mean, very few coaches can do that. Cron- it might just be Cronin. But- John
0: Wood, John as somebody pointed out. You never the, did. The, John Wood never even got one quad one win, if you think about it. And Mick Cronin is just out there randomly on a Thursday night getting two.
1: I, I mean, I'm what he's are we asking talking about? questions and picking up two quad one wins in one night. That's all he's doing. Okay?
0: He's just asking questions, going out on Thursday, grabbing two quad one wins.
1: I mean, what are we even talking about? What are we stay, talking about?
0: Stay in the court. Nel can stay.
1: There we go. Um, but you opt to go in on UCLA when, you know, Illinois comes back from 19 down to end a Northwestern five-game winning streak. Terrence Shannon returns after missing the past few games drops 26 huge. I mean, I thought you were the conductor or as you would say the engineer of this train. Mm-hmm. But did they just did they just boot you off in the middle of a of a of a desert passage and you're just you're just, just strolling by yourself? Have you been booted off the train is that why you didn't want to bring up what Illinois pulled off in Champaign on Thursday night? I am the captain.
0: Look at me. Look at me. I'm the captain. Where's your hat? I'm the captain. I need a hat. I'm the captain now. No, right? yeah. But but out of respect for the ghost of Tom Fernelli, I didn't wa- I don't want to bring any attention to Illinois good anymore. Last I there's a track record here. Every time I tell you how great Illinois is uh is doing, it, it gets real bad real quick. And so out of respect of uh our late colleague, I'm just staying out of it. You know, I'm just staying out of it and hoping things continue to go well.
1: All right. Well, I will congratulate Illinois on getting a good win, continuing to molasses up that Big Ten race because Northwestern is now two games behind Purdue. As I've been saying for seven years now, Purdue is going to be the 2023 Big Ten champion, fait accompli. And now you've got Northwestern with six losses and then right behind him, Illinois, Michigan, Maryland, Indiana, all with seven. Michigan State has seven. And then behind them, Rutgers, which took an L. Michigan beat Rutgers. That was actually necessary for Michigan's at-large life, which is, they're still not in the bracket. But Rutgers, Iowa also have eight losses. It is just a complete quagmire in the middle there. And uh, Northwestern, it lost for the first time in six games as an underdog. It won five in a row as a, as a dog. So it was due. It was on the road. No shame in that. We've talked about how tough the rest of that schedule is down the way. Now, Northwestern will play this Sunday against Maryland. We had a headline break Friday morning, GP. You want to get to that?
0: Ole Miss has announced uh, that Kermit Davis has coached the Rebels for the final time. Everybody expected Kermit would not return next season for a sixth season. I think that's fair to say, Um, but uh, I don't know that we expected it to pop in February with three regular season games remaining. Uh, ultimately, I don't guess the timing matters much, but it is official now. Kermit Davis is out at Ole Miss and the Rebels will have a new coach next season.
1: Yeah, the this is not a surprising development. Um, there was even, frankly, a year ago, there was rumor mongering that Ole Miss would open. Mike White would go to his alma mater Instead, Mike White slipped out the side door and got that Georgia job in the dark of night, and here we are. And so Ole Miss had not been a good team. This was expected. I didn't expect it to happen this morning, but it did happen. Kermit is out. Um, we have uh, he praise on Kermit uh, for he's like, good dude, good coach, and uh, we just need more guys named Kermit in sports. I think that's been really the primary stance for Parrish, right? Yes. Um,
0: who are our other Kermits? Name some more Kermits right now
1: anyone anyone in the chat i'm serious give me any active kermits in sports coaching wise player wise i want any kermit you can muster up right now and if you know if you're getting this after the fact tweet at Ion cbb podcast on twitter let us know if there's any other kermits um because the most famous because of the incident he was involved in was gotta figure kermit washington uh with the rudy tom janovich fight back in uh back in the 70s or early 80s. Um, Okay. Uh, The job itself is going to be interesting. I'm going to say this off the top. You're going to, you have, if you are really dialed into this and you were on social media, like you're going to see Chris Beard's name associated with this job. I'm not going to speak to Chris Beard's viability as a candidate for this job yet. I don't even know if that's actually real. The the charge against him, domestic violence, strangulation against a family member, that was dropped. I understand that. I don't know if he's actually a candidate for this, but his name is going to be out there. So it would be negligent not to at least address the fact that his name is being put out there. I don't know if he actually will be a candidate for the job. That being said, a few names that will be in play or could figuratively be in play. Uh, Dusty May has a lot of connections to Ole Miss, but and Ole Miss fans know this. This is not a desirable power conference gig. Now it is a Big 6 gig, okay? It is that. So it does have a li- a level of desirability, but within the context of the SEC, you're talking about Old Miss, Mississippi State and South Carolina as the three least desirable jobs in the conference and a byproduct of that is like Old is... I can't tell you off the top of my head how many schools are in the, at the Big 6 level. Let's just say it's Let's say it's like 74 off the top of my head. That's the that's the number it is. Old Miss would be in the bottom 10 of that 74 or 70 to 75 schools, whatever it is. Um I I'm not convinced that it's Dusty Mays to turn down or that Dusty May will even go there. He will be involved and he could eventually get it. That's one, that's one name that's out there. But um I actually think that he's doing a good enough job here that there might be other options this season. If not, he's gonna bring back he's supposed to bring back a lot. He could actually be just as hot next season. Keep an eye on that. Um, my buddy Jeff Borzello put out Grant McCaslin on North Texas. I actually, that's not a bad call. Actually, I, Grant McCaslin is a hot name. We'll see if Bob Huggins does or doesn't retire. If he does, Grant McCaslin's old boss is now the AD at West Virginia, and he would immediately be a top three candidate at West Virginia. And you'd rather have West Virginia than you would Ole Miss, so keep that in mind. I actually think Ron Hunter at Tulane would be a really sneaky quality hire. I don't know if he can get it, but I would, I would put him on a list. And then I think another name that if if he can get it done in the next couple of weeks, he's going to have to get to the tournament here. He has been a candidate with some other jobs in the past couple of years. Bob Ritchie at Furman, you know, Furman hasn't made the tournament since uh, before I was born, and so getting to the tournament will be a major one. But that's another name to consider, and there could be others. But that's just an initial short list on a job that you know is not going to be the number one choice for a lot of candidates that would interview it. That's all.
0: Kermit Roosevelt is the second son of Teddy Roosevelt. He was a businessman, a soldier, a writer, and an explorer. Imagine having time to do all those things.
1: Okay, but is he he's not actively in sports, right? He ain't
0: actively in anything. He's been dead since 1943.
1: What the hell are we talking about? I wanted an active Kermit. Kermit was Kermit was a name that was Yeah, he's an active. inactive Kermit. <laughs> he's he is an inactive Kermit. I, I get it like in, you know, 1872, like Kermit then is probably like Damn. David now. Like I get it, but. Damn it. God, I wish we'd have had this conversation three years ago because Kermit
0: Roosevelt, he had a son. He named him Kermit Roosevelt Jr., but we lost him in June
1: 2000. Did he play sports? He was a American intelligence officer. What are we doing here right now?
0: What We're is also- going on? <laughs> We lost him in right in the heart of COVID. What if we lost Kermit Roosevelt Jr to COVID?
1: Okay. Well, I guess we tried. Nada is there. He died any at a retirement Kermit Kermit community. In the chat. Any he active was, Kermit that's been put in the chat? He,
0: Kermit Roosevelt Jr, he was a, he was living in a retirement
1: community in Cockiesville, Maryland. Here we go. Got one. And we, and we lost Shouts him. to, shouts to Shadiest, shoddiest. I don't know how you say the name, but shouts! He's here in almost every show. We appreciate you, Kermit Romeo Erasmus, born in July of ninety, South African professional soccer player who plays for the Premier Soccer League uh, in South Africa.
0: So we got one. Well, we should, we should, we should connect them with Kermit Davis and just we should, let them, we should the, just let, let them talk it out. We'll see what, we, we should see link them, them up, there. and you know, Kermit Davis should go to s- South uh, Africa and watch a, a football match, and then. Meet his fellow Kermit. I just can't get over we lost Kermit Roosevelt Jr. in 2000.
1: Do I need He's to it? Google image Kermit, Kermit Roosevelt Jr. and put him in the no-context preview?
0: I'm looking at him right now. Looks a little bit like Fran McCaffrey. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Hold on. I'm looking at this right now. you got to be out of your mind. You are out I, of your I, mind. I, that's not Fran McCaffrey.
0: You know. Kermit, Kermit Roosevelt Jr.? Make sure you're looking at Kermit Roosevelt Jr., not Kermit Roosevelt. I am. I'm looking at the Jr., that's not Fran. No, picture, I mean, picture that like man 4%. screaming. Picture that man screaming for no good reason. And tell me it doesn't look like Fran McCaffrey to you.
1: Oh, man. Oh, man.
0: All right. We lost, uh, him. I, we, we lost him. He was in a retirement community in cockiesville, Maryland. <laughs> okay. Imagine dying in cockiesville, Maryland.
2: Subscribe to Point Forward, the podcast, so you don't miss a thing.
1: (laughs) Unbelievable. It's time for the final four and one. How big's my lead now, Nada? How big's my lead now, Nada?
0: I've been waiting for this, Nada. Turn your mic on and tell us about the standings.
2: Uh, How big's my lead now, Nada? I don't even, no, 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 no. I barely tolerate it from Parrish when he does it. I'm not going to tolerate it from you. GP, mm-hmm. you have a 46-29-2 and record, which is a two-game lead over Norland. Norlander's been in the slump. And, and I, I just – I'm disappointed in you. I thought – Norlander, you thought that for some reason you took the North Carolina Tower Heels after we told you they were done. How do you feel right now?
1: You know what? That one's on me. I was wrong. You lose. So should should the guy should the guy who picked North Carolina number 1 at the start of the season should the guy should the guy not pick. Yeah, I'll shut up. Some people are calling my lead insurmountable what people are those it's as a reminder a I'm 44 and 30, 31 and two. I'm not exactly struggling at the moment but GP is out of his mind 46 29 and 2. Red
0: hot I'm red hot game one Saturday 2 p.m Eastern it's Arkansas at number two Alabama inside Gerald Wallace Coliseum you can watch it on ESPN two Kim has it Alabama minus 8.
1: All right, so we're gonna pick this game. Um, Nick Smith, what are we gonna? You know, Nick Smith is uh, this is this is a big moment for him. Frankly, you know, having come back just a short while ago, and another potential top five pick. Arkansas has not been a reliable team on the road. You said it was eight. I will pick Arkansas. We have picked all these. By the way, check out that CBS Sports app. We do have our picks also on the site. We try and make the picks on the pod match the ones on the site. That doesn't always happen. So it's a little adventure for you. A little adventure. You know.
0: I think last week I had had on on the podcast, I had Kentucky plus four. And on the site, I had Tennessee minus two. Let's play in the middle.
1: What was funny was, I think it was last week. We're going to give the uh, the semi-occasional shout-out to Seth Davis, dedicated podcast listener. And he sometimes, you know, texts us over the course of listening to an entire episode. Yeah, Seth, we're putting it out there. Because you know what? We need people to know you're all in on the show. And I think it was last weekend where... He was like GPA GP. I agree. You took this, and you were like, "No, I didn't take that." No. He's like, "I listened to the show. You just picked. You just picked <laughs> <laughs> this team." So even then, after the fact, was like, I'm "No, really I don't think you got it right, Seth." And says like, "I just listened to you. You did just pick this team, whatever yeah, team it know. was." Yeah, yeah, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> so uh, that in mind, I will take Arkansas inside of that number. I expect this to be a, a pretty competitive game. Again, Alabama would have lost to South Carolina. They go back home, Tuscaloosa. Uh, will certainly be an interesting scene, but give me Muss's Razorbacks to be inside of eight points.
0: Uh, this could be a game that features uh, the two the first two college players selected in the 2023 NBA draft. Brandon Miller at Alabama, Nick Smith Jr. at Arkansas. Both are coming off monster games. Brandon Miller got 41 points, as you know, at South Carolina. Nick Smith coming off a 26-point effort against Georgia. I think Alabama wins the game. I will take Arkansas to cover numbers a little too big. Arkansas plus the 8. Game 2, Saturday, 2 p.m. Eastern, Number 8, Texas. At number 9, Baylor, inside the Huck Center. You can watch it on ESPN. Kim Palm has it. Baylor minus 2.
1: I will go... I think this is the toughest of the five on the board. I will say Baylor responds, gets it done. The defense, man. I don't know if you've written about this in a, as a top or the final four, or the final four, one, <laughs> the, uh, the top 25 and one. But Baylor's now 94th in defensive efficiency. It is a sieve. It hasn't been this poor on that end of the floor since... We're going. We're going back to 12, 13 years ago. It's actually. It's frankly, it's stunning that it's that the gap is that major. And because it is that major, we still got we got more time before we get to Selection Sunday. But you don't see teams that that have that much of a discrepancy and and are that low on the defensive end. Like if Baylor gets to Selection Sunday, and let's even say it gets up to eighty six overall in points per possession defense, again adjusted for competition. That's not a viable national championship contender. I actually like the roster. I like the personnel. There are spurts where Baylor is super, super fun. It's lost its past two. They have been reasonable in opponents, Kansas and K-State. But if you watch the Kansas game and how it happened, and then you saw the K-State game, there was really no doubt about it when those things went final. Now you get it back home. You get it in Waco. It seems like every day, John is getting stronger with each game. I will take Baylor to get it done here. And as my aside, just a little Texas nugget. I mean, there is decreasing optimism that Rodney Terry has any chance to keep that job. I think he needs to win the Big 12. And I really think he may need to make the Final Four in order to do it. Now, I think he's done an admirable job there. All things considered, I mean, right now, as we speak, they're tied for the lead in the Big 12, but... You know, I just I got a couple updates in the past few days on this. He could still win it. Like, if he gets to a Final Four, how are you not going to give it to him? But the this, this slope is steep, and I think that Terry and everyone around that program realizes that at this point. So this is a big-time opportunity for him on the road to keep pace with Kansas in the league race.
0: And we'll talk about this more as the season progresses, but um, I have never believed Texas or any other school, quote, has to give somebody the job I agree. After they, I agree. After they became the interim coach, even if they do well while the interim coach, uh, often it, it gets twisted into, well, if this guy does well with this team, then you got to give him the job. Well, why? Uh, what if you don't believe this is anything more than a team built for success that anybody or lots of people could have won with? I mean, this team is experienced and talented, was always expected to be a a Big 12 contender and a national championship contender. It is obviously great that Rodney has uh, kept it where it was supposed to be. But if you don't believe as an athletic director that he's the guy that can keep it here going forward, then you shouldn't hire him, even if he wins the national championship. If you don't believe he's the guy who can keep this where it's at, then you shouldn't hire him on a full-time basis. Now, let me be clear. I'm not speaking to that one way or another. I don't know, but sometimes this bar gets set. If Rodney Terry wins four games in the NCAA tournament, he can keep the job. But if he only wins know, three, I, then he can't. And that yeah. seems crazy to me. I if agree. you're at, if you're at Texas, what you if you give Rodney Terry whether he loses in the first round of the tournament or wins the national championship, you have to make a decision independent of that. Your decision has to be okay. That season's over is this the best guy to run our program going forward? If you believe he is, you give him the job whether he loses in the first round of the tournament or wins the whole thing. And if you believe he's not, you don't give him the job whether he loses in the first round of the tournament or wins the whole thing. As for this game, that number's too little. (laughs) Okay. That number's too little. That's too little. Inside the Huck Center? It's Scott Drew inside the Hook Center. You going to make that number a little bitty like that? That number smaller than Jalen Durin <laughs> Baylor minus two. I'm laying it. By the way, Texas probably needs to win to keep pace with Kansas because Kansas is playing West Virginia this weekend at home. After that for Kansas, it's uh, Texas Tech at home next Tuesday. Then Texas on the road in the regular season finale. So it doesn't appear Kansas is going to lose more than one more game at most. I mean, we'll see, but it doesn't appear Texas is going to lose more than one more game at most. So um, if you're Texas and you're trying to uh, get at least a share of this Big 12 title, uh, you need to take care of business at the Huck Center, but I got Baylor winning. I'll lay the two points. Game three, number six, Virginia at North Carolina inside the zero quadrant one win center. Wow. They changed the name of the Dean Smith Center.
1: Is that to the, true, though? I thought, hold on, hold on. I thought they picked up. Did they not? Nope, Did okay. They? Just making sure. I, I, I listen, y- UCLA getting two in one night. Hubert Davis is no Mick Cronin. I was just making sure. That's all.
0: This man was just riding out his life in Cockeysville, Maryland. Then it was over. Zero Quadrant One Win Center. That's the new name of the Dean Smith Center. You can watch this game on ESPN. Kempom has it. North Carolina minus three.
1: This is when I wish I had, sir. I want my uh, Doctor Who Z drop right here because I'm going UNC. I'm going down with the ship. Down with it. Going down with that ship. Carolina wins straight up. Virginia was just held to a season-low
0: 48 points, shot 32% from the field, 19% from three, in a 15-point loss at Boston College. Go deeper. That's three straight games of 61 or fewer points. That's right. Virginia is averaging 55.3 points in the past three games. The offensive efficiency number is now down to 69th nationally. So, and, and, And defensively. The defensive efficiency number, according to Kenbaum is outside of the top 25. So this team is not good offensively and not elite defensively. If you're a low-possession team that's not good offensively and not elite defensively, that's how you get susceptible to losing at a place like Boston College by double digits. And it is and wild. this is
1: it... game three. This is game three. This oh, yeah. I just
0: three. have to take them. I just have to take them. Okay, Cavaliers, despite <laughs> everything I said. I've got the Cavaliers because i
1: got to go opposite Norlander in Game 3. Not only that, how about we rewind this tape a little bit more? February 11th, Virginia loses if the refs do their job. Filipowski goes to the line. He probably makes one. Never oh, gets yeah. to overtime. Yeah. That's an L. After that, they barely win by three at Louisville. After that, they win by two at home against Notre Dame. 57-55, and then they get run at Boston College. Heels.
0: Let's go. Now there's not an ACC team in the top 25 at Ken Not one. And you got people arguing about whether it's whether the league is down or not.
1: What are we talking Just about? Joe Ovius. I went on his show yesterday and he was you know, making a, a broader case, uh, not standing for the league by any means. But there are teams that in this conference that are capable of reaching the second weekend. And ultimately, is, is that what matters most or is what matters most what the data is showing and how the, how the conference has performed? You can make cases for either. More people are going to care about what this league does in March. That's undeniable.
0: I went on a show in Pittsburgh earlier in the week, and the host was, like, fired up in defense of Pitt and the ACC and everything. And he was like, you could you could say whatever you want about the computers, but, like, let me ask you this question. You put North Carolina and San Diego State on a neutral court. Who's favored to win that game? I was like, San Diego State, easily. He was like, you really <laughs> believe that? I'm like, it's a fact. <laughs> like, yeah, San Diego State would be a favorite over North Carolina on a on a neutral court. Yes. Not only do I really believe it, it's 100% true. I can get you a number on it if you need me to. People are wild.
1: You got Virginia. I'm taking the
0: Cavaliers. You're probably
1: going to be right. I'm done.
0: Game four. If you lose at home, if you're North Carolina and you lose at home in a 0 quarter one win center to a Virginia team that just scored 48 points at Boston College, (laughs) then you you deserve everything you're getting. Game four, Saturday, 10 p.m. Eastern. Number 15, St. Mary's. At number 12, Gonzaga inside the Adam Morrison Athletic Center. You can watch it on ESPN Kimpom has it. In the kennel? Gonzaga minus two?
1: Brendan in the chat goes, I lost track of the pod when I noticed GP's reflection in the window. Now it's all I can think about. You there is a little ghost situation going on right now. It the sun came out. You you it... again, you underestimated the rotation of the planet. I'm not I'm not
0: properly I'm not properly accounting for the rotation of the planet. When I set up this shot for the podcast, it really is susceptible to like buildings and clouds and rotation. I can Someone start a podcast. I can start a podcast with no glare. By the end of it, you're just staring at my back.
1: Multiverse theory in play right now. Someone earlier said uh, <laughs> they thought they were being incepted because they could only look at the at, the, uh, at your back and not at your face right now. Too good. Look, Absolutely. Look how, That's why. Look how bad my posture is. <laughs> oh it's it's horrendous dude. Are you kidding me? You need to sit up straight. You're lurching. Um This is but you know what when we became the first college sports podcast to ever go to video, never forget that. We were the first. We knew these things kind of could happen and uh, and we prepared for them all the same. Uh give me Zags in this one. Did happen to catch up with Mark few early this week, talk a little bit about this, a little bit about some other stuff that I'll have later uh early March, call it. Uh but he said St. Mary is this team. It, it, judging off of what he'd watched on video and obviously having played him the last time, he feels as though the level of toughness this group is and they're like and he said this in a complimentary way. He's like, they are so stubborn. They are going to run their stuff, go at you, pound it, time and time and time and time and time again on the offensive end. They're just gonna run their stuff. And we're not we we have to do our best to to stop it. hope we get a little bit lucky uh, in terms of just how frequently they are going to pound it inside and use their bigs. And then, you know, Mahaney went hot at the end of this last game. He was bad the first 30 minutes. We'll see what Aiden Mahaney can do in enemy territory here. But Mitchell Saxon is like, you know, he's a a really, really good big. Alex Dukas can shoot it from outside, shoot it from inside. Um, They've got the ability to kind of lure you in, get you into the paint, and then kick out and shoot well. St. Mary's is Defensive first team, and they are they are going to bruise they'll they'll bruise you up, no doubt about it. But they have enough on the offensive end with their three point shooting to keep it interesting. I'm going to go with Gonzaga. This is Drew Timmy senior night. I would expect he hasn't said this, and I haven't heard this as like intelligence or anything. I would expect this is his final go round in that building. Uh, I'm not seeing Gonzaga drop its final game in the kennel with. Uh, oh, actually, you know what? I'm wrong about that. That was me. That was me. Although I wonder if they're they're wrapping up my mistake. I, I inaccurately thought that this game was the last game on the regular season schedule for Gonzaga because it is the final WCC game. But because they only play 16 league games, they scheduled one more prior, I guess, to the WCC tournament. Chicago State coming in next Wednesday. So maybe that is the senior night. I don't know. But regardless, they're not losing their final league game at home. With Timmy on the roster, I will have the Gonzaga Bulldogs winning and covering.
0: The thing that, and I agree, I, I guess I have, I am assuming, I guess at this point, Drew Timmy is in his final season of college basketball. But you, and I know you know this, but like name, image, and likeness is something that could get him back to, in theory, could get him back to school. Like he's not a first-round draft pick. He might be a second-round draft pick. Maybe he gets a two-year guaranteed deal. Maybe he gets a two-way deal there is a world that exists now where he can, again, theoretically make more money playing basketball at Gonzaga next season than he can make playing basketball anywhere else next season. And that's – I'm not saying that guarantees he's going to be back, but it's at least something that if he's not thinking about or considering he's he's um, being a little short-sighted, it's, some, it's a conversation that has to be had. I think you're going to see a lot of guys who you assume – well, they got to be done with college. And it's like, no, they can make more money playing college basketball than they can playing professional basketball. So they're going to continue to play college basketball. Um, yeah, I mean, listen, I, don't, I think when the number comes out, it's going to be more than two. It'll be like Gonzaga minus three and a half or something like that. Just because basically against any, I think against anybody. If you told me Gonzaga is in the kennel against anybody and you only have to lay two, I would just take that. Literally anybody in the country. So yeah, I'm laying. I'm laying the two points with the
1: Zachs. and one Saturday, seven thirty Eastern on Fox, on Brian Cardinal Court. Had to go with this one. Number seventeen, Indiana at number five, Purdue. Who you got? Purdue is minus eight per Ken Palm. Purdue wins the game. Indiana covers.
0: Number's too big. In-state rivals.
1: I think I have Indiana covering for .com. I'm going to straight up, I'm going to be a hypocrite. Boilers. Both. Win, cover, whole deal. Minus eight. Get it done. Zach Eady and crew. Let's, have out of this? A little fun. Zach Eady and Trace Jackson Davis. Both of them, their combined points and rebounds for both players at the end of the game. I'm going to set this at. I'm going to set it combined at s- 73.5 points and rebounds combined for Edie and Trace Jackson Davis. 73.5. So they, you, you basically need... Will one guy at least get 30? Can Edie go for 30 here? No, I'm going to say
0: they. I'm taking the under. I'm saying neither gets to 30 and the under on your prop bet...
1: Oh, boy. Is it's GP's, it's GP's Wi-Fi going out right now? <laughs> He's saying under 73 and a half. I think he can hear me. He is, he, is, he is blending into the matrix right now. Nada, is this me or is this him? This what do we is me. No, it's... here. <laughs> I don't here. know if you're here. I don't know. It's a, you, the, Your reflection in the window... I always crack up thinking that people listen to this podcast, they don't see it, and they're like, What is what the hell's going on? This is why we I genuinely recommend just subscribe to the YouTube channel if you could help us out. And then you go back and you check and you you fast forward to the minute three mark and be like, What's going on? My man, you are you are going grainy on me right now. You're still there, but it's it's, it's tricky at the moment. That's all I'm gonna say. Um, all right, you're taking under 73 and a half. I will also take under someone. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> We're almost at March, folks We're almost at March
0: This man was just trying to live his life In Cockiesville, Maryland And then the pandemic hit
1: Go- <laughs> The ghost of Kermit
0: <laughs> Kermit Roosevelt Ju- Imagine you're Kermit Roosevelt, Jr. You're just trying to live out your life in Cockeysville, Maryland And then the dumbest pandemic of my lifetime hits And we lose him Three months later.
1: Kermit Roosevelt the first has come for him. (laughs) Oh
2: my goodness. (laughs) Shout out to Blake who's in the chat who emailed me this. Apparently there's a Kermit Roosevelt the third who is a professor at UPenn. (laughs) I kid you not. Shout out to Blake. Hold on.
0: Hold on. (laughs) Hold on. I got this all wrong. I
1: can't take
0: it. As Russ points out in the comments. Kermit Roosevelt Jr., who looks a lot like Fran McCaffrey, actually died in 2000, (laughs) not in 2020. (laughs) He's been gone for so long. (laughs) He's been gone for so long. I was wrong. Come on. The Big Ten Ten hasn't won a national championship since Kermit Roosevelt Jr. was alive. Do you realize (laughs) that? Nobody talks about that. Dude, what Uh, if I go on TV? And I say, uh, Purdue obviously. You should. Purdue has obviously tried to become the first Big Ten team to win a national championship since Kermit Roosevelt Jr. died. What if I just start framing it like that?
1: <laughs> I mean, I'm giving you a hundred dollars if you do it. I'm I'm not kidding. A hundred dollars. <laughs> <laughs> I just say it with, it with a straight face. <laughs> we'll be
0: doing inside college basketball next week like a pregame show and it'll be like so tonight like who's Purdue playing next week let me see it'll be uh it'll be Purdue is playing uh Wisconsin. And they'll be like, GP, Purdue is at Wisconsin. The Badgers are tough at the Kohl Center. What do you think tonight? And I say, well, listen, uh, Purdue has obviously been the best team in the Big Ten all season. They're going to be outright Big Ten champions. I believe Matt Painter should be the Big Ten coach of the year, Zach Eadie, national player of the year. And this is a team that is trying to, yeah, go to the Final Four for the first time since 1980. But more than that, they're trying to become the first big 10 teen school to win a national championship since we lost Kermit Roosevelt Jr. in Cockeysville, Maryland.
1: I'll you do it. I will do it. Chad is on fire, by the way. You guys are incredible. This has been unbelievable. Okay, so you are t- – I don't even know who you picked. Who the hell you got? You got Indiana inside the number? Yeah, I'm taking Indiana plus got, the points. They're going to oh, do it. Okay.
0: They're going to stay inside that number. For Kermit Roosevelt Jr.
1: Hey, remember when we had that podcast meeting yesterday, and you said we'd get this under forty-five minutes, and I said there was no chance in hell. Yeah, that's yeah. what I thought. Okay, I, didn't, take- I
0: didn't realize we were going to run into a conversation about Kermit Roosevelt Jr. No, at the these time. Things you never know. These things
1: happen. These uh, things happen. I will take Purdue real quick. Um, rest of the rest of the weekend. Just a quick heads up because it is a loaded Saturday GP. Is going to be home. I'm going to be in studio for CBS Sports HQ. I'll be in all Saturday afternoon and evening. So good. Second screen, third screen, whatever. Keep an eye out. Um, I'll be in studio for that. Other games we didn't get to Saturday. You should know about San Diego State at New Mexico. That is a CBS Sports Network game. I'm going to mention that off the top. That is 10 Eastern. New Mexico kind of needs to win it to keep its at-large resume even viable. So keep an eye on that one. That's good. K-State at Oklahoma State. Cowboys at home, just reinforce their at-large resume. That's a big one. If Texas Tech wins at home over TCU, that's a nooner on ESPN2, uh, we may need to examine the Red Raiders and their at-large situation. They have a bad non-conference schedule, but they'll have peeled off a lot of quad ones. That will be intriguing if the Red Raiders win. Keep an eye on that. Kentucky home against Auburn. Don't blow this Kentucky. You, you win against Auburn and I actually think you've got some real leg room here. Cause then you got Vandy coming in. Like just don't lose it. Auburn. Keep, uh, keep the, the negativity at bay there. And I think they'll probably do it. That's a CBS tip at four o'clock on Saturday. Um, and am at Mississippi state. Want to keep an eye on Mississippi state's another bubble team. I'm trying to give you some teams in some bubble spots or near bubble spots that you need to, uh, that need to watch for. Um, I think that probably covers most of it. There's some other intriguing ones, but nothing with as much urgency. Clemson and NC NC State, if Clemson wins, gets itself back into a a good spot overall. So that is Saturday. Sunday is... Much less, although there is a triple header on CBS on Sunday. Illinois at Ohio State is at noon. You've got uh, Wisconsin at Michigan at <laughs> two. That game actually does have some urgency. I, I'm not even looking at the chat right now. I don't know what's going on. Four o'clock Eastern is UCLA at Colorado. What? What did did not have put up the photo of you in the hat? Is that what happened? Did that happen yet? No,
0: I'm I just okay. re- now. I'm reading about Kermit Roosevelt Jr. It says Kermit okay. Roosevelt Jr. married Polly Gaddis in 1937. They had four children. All right, follow me here. Okay, one of their children is Kermit Roosevelt the third, who is the father. Is what it says of Kermit Roosevelt the fourth, who also goes by Kermit Roosevelt the third. Can, so can't Kermit, be. No, you can't do that. Uh, Kermit Roosevelt the fourth is out there running around, calling himself Kermit Roosevelt the third. Can't be. No, you can't do that. You can't do that.
1: Well, there's something going on. Get Mick Cronin on this immediately,
0: yeah. okay? How was Kermit Roosevelt the fourth out there pretending to be Kermit Roosevelt the third? It'd be like no, King Griffey Jr. walking that.
1: around calling himself King Griffey Senior. GP could call himself Gary Parish the second, but he doesn't. You're just Gary Parish. You are the second Gary Parish. I am the second Gary Parish, but I, it just was
0: never a thing to even think about calling myself Junior. I was little Gary growing up. My dad was Big Gary, and I was Little Gary. And now what are you? I'm just Gary. I was uh, Little I wish Gary. My name was How's Kermit the Fourth? That there pretending to be Kermit the Third.
1: Nata, you can you bring up to- this photo from No Context Eye on uh, no, I just said No Context Eye on College Basketball. This is the hat that was given to you. That's not a train conductor's hat. That is the captain. You're 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 off in the harbor. Yeah, that's, a like, that's That's like
0: oh, I'm driving. Yeah. A, I'm, like I'm driving a Carnival Cruise Line.
1: That's really what it is. It's all tilted, it's a skew. Although to be fair, if you did wear such a if you did don such a topper, that's exactly how you'd wear it. You wouldn't wear it normal. It would no. be it would be off to the side.
0: Shame on Kermit. I just want the record to show. Shame on Kermit Roosevelt IV for two reasons. One, out there just pretending to be Kermit Roosevelt III. You're not. You're not. And beyond that, who lets their grandfather die in Cockyville, Maryland? Answer Kermit Roosevelt IV. That's who. Let me see what he's up to. Let's get
1: the hell out of here. Let's Kermit go. Roosevelt
0: IV, he's still with us. He's 51 years old. He's Kermit Roosevelt IV, but he calls himself Kermit Roosevelt III.
1: Let's go. It's
0: like the it's like the George Santos of the Roosevelts. Just makes things up. Just makes things up. Let's go. Shouts to Devin Downey. What a
1: show. My goodness. Do you realize Shouts how we started the show and how we ended it? Gosh. <laughs> Those are the shows that I like. This is this is this, this, you want. Send this to a friend. If you really want the entire experience of this show in one episode, I. Good, bad and otherwise. Shouts
0: to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Huff, Larnell. Shouts to all the Kermit Roosevelt's, even the ones who misrepresent themselves. <laughs> if you're not subscribed. Please go subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Leave a nice review. Five stars. There's more of us than there are of them. That needs to be reflected in the comments. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Do what you need to do the like button. We'll talk to you again on Sunday. Till then, take care.